This episode is sponsored by The Coaching Corner. Founded by Terry Burns, a Forbes 30 Under 30 venture capitalist and certified professional coach, our team has been there, done that, and knows exactly how to guide you. Say goodbye to professional doubt. Whether you're seeking that next big promotion or just need a safe space to reflect and grow, we've got your back. If you've ever considered having a professional coach or if you're a leader looking to offer your team some added professional guidance, reach out to us. And here's a special offer just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first month when you use the code TCBurningPod during signup. Once again, that's TCBurningPod, P-O-D. Sign up today at thecoachingcorner.co. Hey guys, this is the TC Burning Podcast by Terry Burns, where I'm minding my personal and professional business one day at a time. Let's get into it. Hello, hello, party people. Wow, that was really bad. I, I'm a horrible singer. There's always been a small part of me. I mean, isn't this the case literally for everyone that's always wished that I could sing? I cannot. Although I can dance. I've always been a dancer. I'm pretty good at that. Definitely above average. And I would say that in terms of just average life skills, it's probably better to be able to dance than to sing. Not that it's a competition, literally. But alas, here we are. Welcome to the TC Burning Pod. I'm so excited to be here. How are you guys doing? How's everyone doing? How's everyone living? I feel like the vibes have been off. (laughs) No, just me. Vibes have been off for everyone, but fall is here. Thank God. I think I know that I was like so ready for the summer to be over, which is so sad because I used to be such a summer girly back in the day. But I think that climate change has ruined that for everyone because now it's just so unbearably hot and sticky the entire time and vibes were off, at least for me, for a couple of weeks and months before. And part of that vibe change is me starting this podcast, which I'm so excited about. And I've been thinking about doing this for such a long time, like an embarrassingly long time. I legitimately am embarrassed by how long I've been thinking about this and not doing it in part because (laughs) I think I legitimately am experiencing a, a bit of shame here. I very much used to be the type of person who when I just had an idea or when I wanted to do something, I didn't really think about it too much. I would just throw myself into it and try it out. And I think that I've lost a little bit of that in recent years which is, is fine. I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, I'm different. It's horrible inherently. Like I really don't move that way or feel that way. And I think that there's an era for everything. But I will say that I have kind of missed that side of myself a little bit. And the thing that I've wanted to do, which is this podcast, I mean, there's also a million other things that I've wanted to do that I'm probably not going to do most of them. But I've been thinking about this for a really long time. And I think I have this shame and embarrassment around it because why the fuck haven't I done it? Like I should, I should have just done it by now. And not I should, I'm trying to not say shoulds in my life, but I think that I've just let a lot of fear and overthinking and I think desire to like avoid basic bitchness to be real. No shade for people who have podcasts, but like you, you guys get what I'm saying, whatever has kind of gotten in the way. And then Something shifted. I think I just got over myself and decided to stop thinking about it so much. Something that I always say to founders and CEOs and folks that I work with at work, which is focus 
as much of your energy, if not all of your energy on the product as possible or on the service as possible. If you are going to do something, do the thing. Don't spend all of your time worrying about all of this extraneous stuff and how are you going to market it and how are you going to talk to your friends about it and what is the messaging and what's the deck and what are the brand colors, whatever. Like All of those things are important and will show up, but at the end of the day, the core product, the core service is the thing to really focus on. And so for me, when I stopped thinking about, well, what am I going to talk about? What's my unique this and that? And what am I going to say? And instead just sat the fuck down and pulled out my mic from 2016 and started talking and then really sort of, you know, got a little bit more into this rhythm of, hey, I'm just going to record. I was really able to focus on my product, on my service. And that's just been really fun because girl, I be talking. I just be talk, talk, talking. Not all the time, not in person. I feel like the older I've gotten, kind of the quieter I've gotten, which is really interesting because I've always been, I mean, I'm very much an extrovert. Like I love to be around people. I get all my energy from it, whatever. But I'm not the person who walks in the room and is just like chat, 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 chat in the way that I used to be. I definitely, I think we all are, you know, in the right moments and in the right spaces. But my mind is always going a million miles an hour. I am a chronic self, like talk to selfer. I will literally put my AirPods in my ear, not listen to anything, be walking down the street, and I'm like talking to myself because I like, I, I'm just in the habit of doing it. I like it. It's therapeutic. I just think out loud and it, it literally will just be about anything, like anything that I'm thinking about, anything that I'm whatever kind of musing on, I'm just saying out loud, but I would prefer to look like I'm talking on the phone than just talking to myself. So anyway, I was like, why don't I just do it in front of a mic? Like, let's go. So here we are. It was, of course, important for me to actually have somewhat of a cohesive theme, something to ideally talk about. And the thing that I I realized is a theme of my life and probably everyone's life in some capacity and something that I really spend a lot of time thinking about is the distinction and the overlap between my personal life and my professional life. And I would say that right now I'm feeling pretty good about the personal life. Well, I'm just going to fucking say it. I feel I feel pretty bad about the professional life with with some nuance in there. There's some things that I'm actually like quite excited about, but there's just a lot. There's a lot to unpack. There's a lot to work through, and I'm trying to do that myself, and I'm talking through it all as I'm walking down the street with my AirPods in anyway, so I might as well do it with y'all and I don't know, maybe we can like learn together. So that's it. (laughs) That's the podcast, just minding my personal business, my professional business, and we'll see what's tea. Obviously, there's a lot to catch up on, and we are going to get into it all on this pod. How are we going to do that? Well, I get overwhelmed super easily. So we're going to take it slow. We're going to take it real easy, episode by episode, bit by bit. And I really do genuinely hope that you join me along for the ride and that you like, let me know what you think. Email me, text me, DM me. I will 100% be going through all of the reviews. And so if you have those or if you have any comments and you really, really want me to see it, make sure absolutely to do that. And of course, it just really helps the show. Now, format of the podcast, super easy, super simple. First bit, I'll talk about my personal life, personal business. Second piece, I'll talk about my professional life and my professional business. Really 
thinking about just high level sort of takeaways, themes, et cetera, that I've taken and walking through how I sort of got there through my own stories. So let's get into it. Let's get into the personal business. So as I said, as I sort of kick things off, there is a lot going on personally. Some of it is kind of professional. Lo and behold, that is kind of the theme of this whole thing. A lot of the stuff is super interconnected, both personal and professional. I knew that this fall, especially the early fall, was going to be a little bit wild in terms of scheduling. And I'm in the thick of it right now. Namely, there's been a bunch of trips, a bunch of speaking commitments that I've had, and really just both of those things, actually, (laughs) and some family time, too. So two weeks ago, I just got home, or two weeks ago, I got home from a trip to Nairobi. It was my first time in Kenya, and it was so much fun. I'm part of this network called the Kaufman Fellows, Kaufman Fellowship. I am a former fellow. And it's basically this global network of investors, venture capitalists, limited partners. If you're not familiar with that universe, that world, we'll get into it over the course of this podcast. But every year, the Kaufman Network does a global summit every year, every other year. It's kind of shifted in COVID. But this year, it was in Nairobi. So this trip was super fun. I put it in the personal category because I'm technically an alum of the program. I paid for the whole trip out of pocket. Nari came with me, my partner. We had so much fun. And I mean, Kaufman's amazing. They do a lot of really cool organizing stuff. They have a lot of content. There's there's a bunch of stuff that they sort of do. But having been an alum of the program and paying out of pocket and kind of having done some of that stuff already, I just kind of wanted to go and hang out in Nairobi. So that was kind of what we did. We ate at some amazing restaurants. We walked around. We went to the giraffe manor place and got to feed the giraffes. We got to see some baby orphaned elephants. It was cool. It was a really good trip. Oh, and we duh, we also got to meet the president of Kenya. Kind of a funny story. I, I won't get into the whole thing because at this point it's weeks ago now and there's so much stuff going on, but it was really, really dope. He was speaking. We missed the speech but we were in the vicinity when the speech ended. We happened to be standing there. He walked over, introduced himself. It was super random and fun and cool. He had an entire entourage. And when he walked over to introduce himself, all of these cameras were just flashing. It was giving paparazzi vibes. And I remember thinking, I hope that one of these photos makes their way back to me because I I didn't take a photo. I didn't know to take a photo. I didn't know that it was gonna happen. And it it ended up happening. Their team reached out to the Kaufman organizing team with some of the photos. And so I was able to get a cool photo that I posted on Instagram. I will include the link to that in my show notes. So that happened. It was a super long trip, you know, going and coming. And after landing, I had, it was a little bit more than 24 hours, a little bit shy of 48 hours, actually back at home before I had to hop on a plane again to go to Durham, North Carolina to interview Harvey Mason on stage at a conference. Harvey Mason, if you don't know, is the CEO of the Recording Academy, which is the entity that puts on the Grammys every year. This was super cool and I was really happy to do it. And Harvey's, you know, dope and smart and a great speaker. It happened because I actually spoke at another conference this past summer called Fortune Brainstorm Tech, 
I actually help co-chair slash MC that conference every year. I've done it for the last three years. Side note, my work that I've done with Fortune has been some of the most fun, amazing work that I've done over the last handful of years. I was doing all of this work as I've been an investor and as I've, you know, spent my time primarily focusing on investing in startups, but also, you know, doing some stuff on the side that's been interesting and cool and fun. And Fortune does not compensate for this work. At least they they did not historically. And I did it anyway. And I just want to plug this because I know that that's kind of a controversial topic, this idea of working for free. I think in this, you know, girl boss, even this girl boss recovering era that I kind of think that we're honestly in right now, everyone's like, I would never work for free. Don't ever do it. Which honestly, I, I largely agree with that sentiment and I understand that that sentiment and I love it. But I don't know. I think I'm just controversially maybe a little bit less on the extreme side of I would never do it and case in point, some of the work that I've done with fortune. And that has actually ended up being some of the most amazing work for me just personally, but also eventually financially as well. So that is going to be a topic for a future episode of the TC burning pod working for free and when to do it and when not to do it and how to think about it. And my thoughts on it as a woman who likes to make money and wants to be really judicious with my time it's a, it's a it's a hot topic. But anyway, I say all this to say that was a tangent. So I spoke at Fortune Brainstorm Tech and the way it works is the Fortune team sort of pairs everyone speaking. So folks on their team and then folks like myself who are kind of external speakers with all of the panelists, all of the talent, all of the folks that are going to be interviewed, whatever. They like kind of come up with the schedule. And kind of last minute they said, hey, you know, we need someone to do a fireside chat with Harvey Mason. Can you do it, Terry? And at the time, my schedule was actually pretty full. It was pretty back-to-back at that conference already. And they're really good about that when you're like, hey, y'all, I can't. It's too much. They're really understanding and they're flexible. And I almost said that. Almost. Because I've gotten better at saying no and setting boundaries and like doing all the things, which is important. But something told me to be in my yes era. I actually remember over the summer, there was a part of period of time in the summer where I was like, I'm just going to be in my yes era and say yes to things. So this was one of them. And I said yes. And I'm so glad that I did because, of course, it ended up being one of the most fun panels. Super duper fun to do. I got to get to know Harvey and his team. I actually have the interview from that conference with Harvey posted on my YouTube. So I will also include the links to that in my show notes if you're interested in seeing it. But anyway, long story short, the thing that everyone is talking about right now, obviously, is AI. And Harvey and his team and the Recording Academy at large have had a lot of conversations about music and the intersection of machine learning and artificial intelligence and how to appropriately credit songs and artists and submissions for the Grammys, what the rules around AI are going to be and what's fair and equitable and should artists be compensated when their work is used to train a neural network and, and, and all, all of these things. So We talk about this on stage and afterwards his team was basically like, look, that was super fun. That was really cool. Harvey's actually going to be doing another fireside chat at another conference in a couple of months. They don't have the interviewer yet. We think that you'd be great for it. Do you want to just do it? And I said, yes. So that's why I flew to Durham, North Carolina. The conference was called Bull City Summit. We give the talk. We basically are like, okay, we're going, we're leaving (laughs) after this. And we Uber over to the airport together And Harvey, I'm pretty sure Harvey lives in 
well, maybe I shouldn't say, but I'm pretty sure Harvey does not live in New York, which is where I live. But he was like, oh, we're flying to New York right now. And I was like, oh, bet I'm flying to New York too. He was like, oh, that's so funny. Hey, we're actually hosting an event tonight at the Recording Academy headquarters in New York City. We're going to have some Grammy award winners performing and it's just going to be a good way to like hang out, meet, meet with people and whatever, chill. And him and his team were like, oh, you should come through. And so at this point, you know, I'm still jet lagged from Nairobi. I had a night and a half or whatever in my bed back home before I had to hop on this plane to Durham, North Carolina. I was there for one night and then we spoke and then we went straight to the airport. I'm kind of like getting a little bit bleary eyed, but I was like, bet, let's do it. So I fly back, we get home, I get home and I was like, all right, we're going to this party tonight. Let's go. And so we go to the party. It was actually really cool. The artists that performed there were not artists that I knew of previously. I don't remember their names, but they were great. (laughs) And yeah, we just like kind of hung out at the party. It was fun. So that happened. And then Saturday came along and my bestie, Elisa, came in town. Elisa was like, hey, can I come through? I'm like, yes, absolutely. Part of the reason why Elisa wanted to come now is because every year, Nari and I host what we call our annual housewarming. So we moved into our house three years ago. We had a huge housewarming. It was so much fun. And then the next year, we were like, we should do this again. We should annualize this. This was great. And so, yeah, we just do it every year. It's super fun. In years past, the annual housewarming has been a huge rager. Like our house is completely filled. We have a beautiful backyard. The backyard is completely filled. We have people coming in and out. I remember the first year, this was like weird, but it was like kind of funny. Like there was this girl, me and Ari have no idea who she was. She was cool though. She ends up at the party and she like starts calling all her friends to like show up. And so all these people start showing up and they're like, oh, I'm here for I don't remember what her name is, Amy or something like that. They're like, oh, is Amy here? Is Amy here? I think that she was just like really wasted, but like was having a good time. And the party was so big and casual that I don't know. I was definitely that girl in college at a party or two. So I wasn't even that mad. And her friends were super nice. But like that was kind of the vibe, you know? This year, Nari and I were like, "Mm, we're tired. (laughs) We need new energy. We can't do the rager thing. And so, but we still wanted to do it. We still wanted to like keep the tradition alive. So what we've decided to do is a backyard garden dinner party. One of Nari's friends, I mean, they're not classically trained or anything, but they're a chef, basically. They actually hosted over the summer a backyard garden dinner party at their apartment in Brooklyn. And it was so beautiful and so cute. And the food was so good. And they were like, hey, y'all, like, I love cooking. If you ever want me to do this at your place, let me know. And me and Nari were like, that's crazy because we were thinking about having a dinner party for our third annual housewarming, which Maddie, Nari and I's friend who's the cook, had been to in previous years. So anyway, all of that is happening this week. <laughs> so Elisa arrives. We go to Coat. If y'all know, if you know, you know, I love Coat. We had a really great first night and then we were like, okay, so we have a couple weeks before we have this dinner party. So that dinner party is coming up. In the meantime, I was the keynote speaker at NYU. NYU had their first annual conference called the Beautiful Brain Conference hosted by one of the new deans of the school who asked if I would be one of the keynote speakers. 
So I gave a talk, but then I also did a fireside chat with John Sexton, who was actually president of NYU when I went to NYU undergrad. So that was kind of like a cool full circle moment. He was no longer, you know, president. We've since had two new presidents, but just being able to see him again and chat with him and be on stage with him was super fun and cool. I definitely procrastinated on my speech though. And had ChatGPT help me a little bit. Let's be real. I was actually talking to someone today about AI who said something really interesting. And she doesn't like the overuse of generative when we think about AI and specifically generative AI. And that AI's power is not actually generative, like being able to build something and to create something out of nothing. But it's really good at being iterative and being able to update and change and expand and unlock based on things that are pre-existing. Obviously, that's the case. And that makes sense when you think about just training data and neural nets and whatever. But she really was literally just talking about like the way that we interface with it. And so instead of, you know, you can have ChatGPT write an essay for you from scratch, but it's probably not going to be very good. But if you do a really rough draft of the essay and come up with a high-level outline and come up with really strong prompts effectively for ChatGPT, you end up with something much more powerful. I thought that was really interesting. Anyway, I the thing that made me think about that was that's basically what I did with the speech that I wrote. I wrote the whole thing. And then I was like, ChatGPT, can you just make this better? And ChatGPT did. So anyway, I did that. <laughs> and that was really fun. That was great. I got to meet some super awesome you know, students and reconnect with the youth. And then now here we are. It's Monday. The party's on Friday. We have the menu set. We have to go grocery shopping. We have to get the backyard cleaned, which is scheduled. We have to have the renters come to drop off all of the rental equipment. Not a ton of crazy stuff, but like we need two really long dining tables. I think we might have as one long dining table. We might keep them split. I don't know. There's going to be 22 of our closest friends in attendance. And so we need to make sure that, you know, the backyard is looking cute. We have to pick up some food. We have to, I don't know what I'm wearing. We tell everyone to please look your best. (laughs) Nari actually made a Pinterest board. That's like the vibe of the garden party dinner and like the color aesthetic. It's a broad color aesthetic. It's not like a white party or a black and white party or whatever. Like there's some like brown tones, some like purpley, kind of like a deep lavender tone. There's a few oranges in there. Like it's very kind of fluid fall, if you will, is the vibe. So like nothing too prescriptive, but it's cute. Like I want people to look good. I was going to hire a photographer as well, but the prices were just a little too steep. <laughs> it was it was like fine. Like it wasn't the worst thing, but like between the rentals and everything, I was like, we just don't need to spend this much money on a party. But I need I have no idea what I'm gonna wear, obviously. Like I have not thought about it once. So I need to do that. I need to get my nails done. All of this because the party's on Friday and then I fly to LA on Saturday, which is so funny because all of my friends are going to spend the night on Friday night as they do every night after these housewarmings, including Elisa, who's been here for the last two weeks. It's a whole thing. Like there's so much going on and it's super fun and I love it, but I am going to be emceeing at Fortune's Most Powerful Women Conference, their annual conference, which is in Southern California next week. So that's what I'm doing all next week. 
And so I have to fly on Saturday because my family, my parents are in Southern California. And so I asked if they would fly me out a day earlier so that I could spend, you know, one night with my, my parents and see my family and my grandma. It's just a lot. And then when I fly back, I'm flying back in the evening. I'm basically doing a red eye, which I hate, 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 hate red eyes. But I have to do it because there's an NYU board meeting on Thursday and I have to be there in person for the NYU board meeting. So it's kind of chaotic and crazy, but it's good. My life is actually often like this. (laughs) Like I would say I go through these periods of four to six week, super intense personal and also professional stuff going on a handful of times throughout the year. But I wouldn't say that this is like this, the baseline norm, like this is a bit much. So yeah, I don't know. Those are, those are kind of the updates on the personal side. Hey there, Global Innovators. This episode is brought to you by Crossing Frontiers Immigration Law. Ready to start your next big venture across borders? Crossing Frontiers is your bridge to the future. We specialize in U.S. immigration law for startups, founders, and the fantastic folks you bring on board. Navigating visa intricacies? We've got the map. Don't let paperwork dampen your entrepreneurial spirit. Visit www.crossingfrontiers.ca. And let's get you where you're destined to go. Listeners of this podcast will get a free consultation if they use code TCBurningPod at sign up. So this week for my professional business, the work topic at hand is going to be when to leave a job. Now, the way that I'm going to do these episodes is focusing on the personal and then on the professional. Maybe I'll swap the order sometimes. I don't know. We'll see. But every week I really just want to have a specific theme on the professional side because I think that that is the space where there might be a lot of overlap and hashtag relatability or just like lessons that I've learned from having had a pretty amazing still early career. And I think that by kind of walking through some of that through the lens of what I've learned and what I'm thinking about and how I'm trying to apply that moving forward could be helpful. And of course, through that, I can share, you know, my own sort of anecdotes and stories. And this week, it's going to be about when to leave a job. The reason why this is a big topic for me is because the biggest thing to happen to me in my career was being promoted as the youngest ever partner at Google Ventures, which is a large venture capital firm that I worked at for five years. I was promoted to partner. I was the youngest to ever do it, still hold that title. And that was the biggest thing to happen to me in my career. The second biggest thing to happen to me in my career was when I left GV, when I left that job later on. And needless to say, it was a really, really big decision. It was a hard decision. It's a decision that I think about all the time. And it's a really important one. And I think that we often, not often, but we throughout our lives, personally and professionally, will be faced with really big decisions. And I think 
less important is the actual decision that you make. More important is the process that you use to make it and making sure that you do so in a way that is true to you, that is authentic, that is clear, that is informed, that is honest. And, you know, life unfolds. Life just keeps going. So as long as you are are really principled in how you approach making big decisions, I think that the rest are all details, basically. So my high-level story is I've always been like a tech girl. I studied computer science. When I graduated, I worked as a product manager at Twitter for a year, which that was in 2016, and that was during the 2016 election, and Twitter was an absolute insane place to work, and we'll talk about that another time. And then I ended up at, at GV, and I ended up at GV because Ken Norton, shout out Ken Norton, always, always you know, someone that I will respect and shout out and advocate for, DM'd me on Twitter one day and was like, hey, you know, I've been following you and your work for a while. And we're at the time GV was was really looking for younger, earlier career, ideally sort of technical people to come work on some internal projects, as well as support the investors and kind of source deals and do stuff like that. But they really wanted someone who could kind of help with internal projects and, and with a little bit of portfolio support side. At the time, you know, I was approached by GB. I was part of this two-year new grad program at Twitter. I literally did not know anything about venture capital. I knew of it, you know, in concept. When I was going through the interview process, you know, they kind of reached out. They were like, why don't you just kind of casually chat with some folks? And then at one point, it sort of switched to more formal interviews. And I did a lot of interviews. And I remember reading... God, I can't remember now. If you Google like books to learn about venture capital, it'll be like the top three that pop up. I read those and they were like kind of help. I guess they, they were helpful. They were helpful because I didn't have any context at the time. And I ended up getting the job and I'll, I'll never forget. It was my first apartment in San Francisco. I got the offer. I sort of asked, I was like, look, I would, I would love to do this, but I'm part of this two-year rotational program and I'm only a year in. Is there any way I can defer a year? so that I can finish out this program. And GV said, no, they were like, absolutely not. It's now or never. And so I remember sitting in my full-sized bed, actually around the corner from Twitter. And I laid in bed and I called every person that I trusted, family, friends, acquaintances, professional connects, whatever. And I was like, hey, I got this offer. I don't know what to do. And you know when you have these moments, these like crossroad moments when you just think that it is going to define everything. I was like, oh my God, like I, am I really going to leave? Like this is a job. I have a 401k here. Like, like is this, it just felt so crazy to me. And I honestly did get quite mixed reviews and ultimately, obviously I decided to leave. My colleagues at Twitter were really, really not supportive of it and with the exception of Jess Varelli, who shout out Jess Varelli, she just started a new fund, which is really exciting. And she, you know, also worked at GV for a period of time, twice actually. She was just like, look, it doesn't matter. You're going to learn a ton either way. You're going to work with amazing people, whether you decide to go, whether you decide to stay at Twitter, you're young, it's going to be fine, which I think is just great advice. <laughs> I, I love that. Thank you for that, Jess. But outside of that, everyone was pretty negative. Like, one of my good friends now, I won't say her name, I don't think she would mind, but 
I remember like years later we were getting dinner. I think it was actually after I got promoted to partner. And she was like, do you remember when you first got the job offer? And I told you that you were making the biggest mistake ever and that you really shouldn't do it. She was like, I was so wrong. I was so wrong. I was like, I actually kind of didn't remember that until you said it. But yeah, not not a lot of support. And, and I think it was a little bit beyond. Of course, there was this bias. Like they wanted me to stay because I was part of this program and whatever, whatever. And I was really good at my job. I was told that I was the highest performing person in my cohort by multiple different people. And I was just like visible. Like I, I, let me not even get into the whole thing, but I was like one of the only people on the product team who actually used Twitter, which is, which was crazy to me then is still kind of crazy to me now. But like, I like had like a decent following at the time, not so much anymore, but you know, that's part of my past, but whatever. Anyway, didn't get a ton of support, decided to just do it anyway, which is kind of a theme, <laughs> kind of a theme and sort of summary of basically what happened when I left GV as well. Decided to go and ended up having this crazy ride over the last five years. Learned a ton, learned everything about investing, got to invest in some amazing companies. Two of them exited to public companies. Obviously, I got promoted to partner. I got to work with some awesome, awesome people. I learned a ton. I'm, I am eternally, eternally, eternally grateful for my time. And then I decided to leave. So let me start going through the list of what is top of mind for me when when you should leave a job. So number one reason is when you have hit or feel like you've hit the top of your learning. Now, this is something that can be kind of challenging because it's hard to know. You go through eras, right? Like life personal and professional. Again, that's kind of the point of this podcast. It ebbs and flows. And sometimes you really have to sit in something for a while before it starts to ebb again or before it starts to flow again. And it can be hard to predict, you know, how long to wait or when things are going to shift. And, you know, I would say this is probably the case for everything that I'm about to list, especially if you are young, which I imagine you are if you're listening to this podcast. And if you value learning, some people don't, which is totally fair. Some of my friends are like, girl, I don't care. I just want to go. I want to clock in. I want to do the thing. I want to leave, which I get. I totally, I mean, I don't, I don't really like that's so different from me, but I, I understand intellectually for sure. I think that if you're a high energy person, if you want to be generative, if you haven't had a lot of wins yet, if you are deeply, deeply ambitious, if you want to be somewhere else whether that's in terms of your role or your level or your title or your financial bracket, I think to feel like you're coasting just feels really static and is directly related to how much you're learning. And if you feel like you're totally at the top, right, you're just on repeat mode all day, every day, and you're wondering if there's more out there, if there's something else out there, I think there probably is. And you have to be a good judge of character here, right? Like, I think it's easy to do something for two months and be like, well, I'm not learning. I'm done. And I'm, I'm not talking about that, right? Like, I was at GV for five years. And of course, there's there's way more to learn, honestly, in most scenarios and in most cases. But I had really felt like I know how deals get done here. I know what the process looks like. I know how to, you know, sort of make it happen. I know who I will learn what from. And we'll continue to thank goodness because I built an amazing network of awesome people, still be able to call on those people now to this day, even though they're not my colleagues. But just being in that environment day in, day out was starting to turn into a little bit of like a this repeat sort of thing where, you know, the, especially those first three years. And then right after I got promoted to partner, when I started doing my own deals, 
it was like, holy shit, every single day I was learning something new. There was a new acronym that I was figuring out. There was a new thing that I was unlocking. And I think when you're young and energetic and a sponge, you really, I I feel that I really want to take advantage of this time because 10 years from now, it it just might be different. Um, And so if the environment isn't conducive to where I am in my life and how I want to be a sponge, you know, that, that could be, that could be a sign. So that's number one. Number two, this one is interesting, maybe for some folks. Number two is when you're ready to take a risk. I am a pretty risky person. I, you know, invest in one of the riskiest asset classes. I kind of just do stuff and see what happens. Like I'm very much sort of throw paint on the wall in my, you know, 401k, I'm always picking the riskiest thing. Part of that is just because I'm young and that'll probably shift in the next five to 10 years, not me being young. I mean, yes, but but my risk profile, I think I might, you know, start inching to be just a tiny, tiny, tiny bit more conservative. But leaving a job is risky, especially if you're leaving a job that is stable and that is visible and that, you know, pays well and, you know, checks all of the resume boxes. It is harder to find a job oftentimes than to stay in a job. And I think that if you kind of feel like you, you've you hit the top of your learning and you're coasting a little bit and whatever, you can kind of forget that. I'll, I'll admit that I like kind of did. I forgot like how real it is out here, you know, like VCs get real soft. Don't let a VC tell you that they don't, that they're not soft because they're not telling the truth a lot of the time. But I will say that I was ready to take a risk. I was ready to risk it all. I was ready to say, okay, I'm going to give up this title. I'm going to give up this income to figure out what's next. And of course, we're going to spend a lot more time talking about what that looks like in subsequent episodes. But baby steps, like I promise, baby steps one at a time. And I was just ready to take on that risk. Which goes to point number three, which is a little bit more tactical, but kind of on the same note, which is when you've saved money slash have other options, slash have set up your life in such a way that you are prepared. And you want to be more conservative, potentially ironically, because of point number two, which is that you're ready for risk. But you know, if you're like, okay, I want to save enough for three months or whatever, save enough for six months, or save enough for three months and you know, make sure that you keep doing your side hustle job where you get a little bit of extra income from or whatever it is. Like you can kind of determine what makes the most sense. But the reality is life is life and bills need to be paid and things need to get done. And maybe you have a partner, maybe you want to date someone, maybe you want to date literally anyone, right? And like, I think it's super important to make sure that you have options and that you have stability. And this is this is an obvious thing, right? Because this is the thing that you are, are risking in many cases when you give up, you know, a pretty stable job. But really, really feeling like, you know, when I call my whatever, the mo- whoever the most conservative person in your life is or your parents or whatever, the thing where you can say, don't worry, I have X, it's probably not going to be enough. It was not enough for my parents, but it was really important for me. Number four, when you have gotten the ick, it's like dating. You know, everyone knows, everyone knows, everyone has either felt it or they have a friend who's felt it. When all of a sudden you go into the office and you're like, I I have the ick. (laughs) 
And just like dating, when you get the ick with someone, you can't un-ick. Like it's just, it's done. It's over. Like it's it's impossible. Like the person has to become an entirely different person in a very short period of time for the ick to go away. And like that's not happening. And I'm just going to leave it at that when you have gotten the ick and you know when you've gotten the ick. But that's really tough. There's like, there's almost nothing tougher in the world than having the ick, but not having other options because then you just have to stay. You have to stay. It's so bad. But you know, respect that feeling. That's your body telling you something. And then this kind of goes to number five. And that is, you know, when you're kind of unhappy and you can use an eat, pray, love era. Listen, I know all the people out here, you know, we're all girl boss recovering people or whatever the phrase is. But the reality is, as much as we want to be ambitious and optimize, you know, every part of our lives and, do the whole quantified self thing and make all the money and get all the accolades and be on Forbes 30 under 30 until we're 60. We are alive right now and we are human beings right now. And I am probably the least woo-woo person out there, but I have had to force myself to lean into my Julia Roberts Eat, Pray, Love era because if you're on go mode at all times, every single moment of every single day, you're going to lose. And for me personally, having the analogy be rooted in not winning <laughs> as opposed to like rest and relaxation, like who cares about that? I care about winning, which means I care about not winning, right? When the analogy is rooted in that, I'm like, oh shit, like I need to focus. I need to, I need to learn how to turn off my brain. I need to learn how to sort of shift the way that I'm approaching my days in my life, not become soft or soft as Nari would say, but it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work if you don't chill the fuck out sometimes and you won't win and I want to win. So when you're ready to enter your eat, pray, love era, and that could be because you want to win, that could be because you are unhappy, that could be going back to the ick, whatever, but just being able to remove yourself a bit and remove some of your identity from your professionalism makes a big difference. And as someone who has put a lot of my personal identity in my professional identity, that's part of the reason why I started this podcast, because I want to sort of navigate that. That's been probably one of the toughest things, but also one of the clearest indicators that it is sort of time to leave. Of course, there's a lot of privilege in being able to do this, right? Especially thinking about when you have savings or when you have other options or whatever. So that shows up. That's part of it too. But that's how I think about it. I did want to quickly address my my short list of when not to leave. Very short list that I figured I would address. Number one, when you're tired. We're not talking about burnout. Girl, it's work. It's so funny to me. This is something that Nari and I actually joke about all the time because you know how people are like, you know, work is not good for the soul and capitalism is horrible and we weren't meant to do that, da, 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 whatever. Y'all like act like <laughs> if modern society were gone and we had to hunt for our food or farm for all of our own individual meals, like y'all would be waking up in the morning like, let's go. Time to go find a deer or a cow or see if those strawberries have sprouted like no, like even without these systems at play, 
work is work. Like you would still not feel like it. You would still be annoyed at the rooster that is waking you up at the crack of dawn for you to go do something. So that was a little bit of a tangent, but I do think that we need to be a little bit realistic when we complain about the issues with jobs and capitalism and that I think a lot of them have become really misguided. And I do think that if you're tired, of course, I'm not talking about like actual chronic illness. And I do I do think that like true burnout is part of that. I just think that we need to stop over romanticizing what work can sometimes feel like. I'm not saying we should be miserable. I'm not saying that we should just settle for anything. But sometimes you're going to go through periods, you're going to go through eras, you're going to go through jobs where it provides you with a paycheck and something to do every day. And maybe it's a little bit tiring or you're kind of over it. But girl, just, just stay, just stay. And number two related to that is when you do not have other options. And that's really tough. Again, I sort of mentioned that like privilege definitely comes into this, but a job is a job. And as tough as they are at the end of the day, many of them do provide so much. And I am so grateful that I have other options. I've had other options, been able to do a bunch of stuff since I left my job. But if I didn't have anything else lined up, if I didn't have other options, I would have stayed. And I think that that would have been the right decision for me. Okay, that's everything. Uh, first episode, uh, we loved it, right? We loved it. Well, if you did, if you truly did love it, give me some love. I love all my friends. Shout out to my friends and my fam who have been leaving me all of the reviews. And I would be really, really excited if someone who wasn't my best friend or family left a review. So if you could do that, that would be very much appreciated. Thanks for listening to the TC Burning Pod, where I am minding my personal and professional business one day at a time. Find me on Instagram and TikTok at TC Burning. See you next week.